welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week we're concluding our Girl Underground adventure. A huge thanks to Mel and the Moth Squad for recording this for me. If you enjoyed the game, you can find out more by heading to girlunderground.org. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. Though I think Redback, the tent is probably not big enough for you. Few are. How do you feel about that as these uh, these troop these people troop off inside? Redbark sort of comes to a halt a little bit away from the tent and says, Oh, uh, I guess I'll be out here if you all Can I make a suggestion? Being a fantastical world, I think they're prepared for that type of thing, and they have counters that face outside that he can just kind of sit down in front of, and it's just the right height for him to lean towards the tent, and we can sit at a table that's right next to that opening in the tent. I love it. Okay. <laughs> There's totally like a flap that's like, yeah, propped up, right, where you could mm-hmm. either stick your head in, or there's a table there where you could sit and likewise enjoy some tea. Um, I think inside this this tea house, uh, it it's sort of like sort of bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, right? Like, um, and there are like, sort of makeshift shelves that have been put up. There's various jars of like fantastical colors. There's like teal brews that are like filtering out through a teapot and being decanted into like a um, like a mug. And there's a lot of like hissing and like sort of steam whistling noises. And there's like a lot of clattering of like. Uh, if metal pots is like kettles boil, um, and on the inside there is a very like rather short individual, like maybe a little bit shorter than than like Faye, who has like um, likewise like braided hair. It's like sort of black braided hair and lots of like is dripping and like uh, oh like a crochet cloak, right? Like um, they have to like sort of pull their sleeves up a bit as they like sort of uh, make some tea and they turn around. And they like jump a little bit with surprise and they see the three of you there and they're like, oh, I was not expecting visitors, but visitors are always welcome. Oh, yes. Hello. We had a few people actually uh, point us in your direction. I've been told I have too many thoughts and I need to organize them. <sighs> you were talking to Grumblefuss, weren't you? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, the thing with Grumblefuss is it's often not a case of having too many thoughts it's just finding the ones that matter to you you know what i mean the ones that really speak to you like here i help get rid of the noise and you can kind of like literally feel that is like the outside bustle is like gone and all you can really hear are just like the soft but like busy noises of this tea house and like the tea the mixer gestures to like three seats near like that window and peeks their head out the window and sees Red Bark and says, Oh, yes, please sit down. I know exactly what you need. Uh, Red Bark reaches into his coat and takes out the tea set again. And when he opens it up, there is one enormous teacup that is wrapped in paper, which he then sets down. And then he reaches inside that and pulls a slightly smaller one that is also wrapped in paper. And it's just sort of a nesting doll situation where he keeps pulling out smaller and smaller teacups until one of them is face-sized, which he places in front of her. Aww. By that point, his fingers have split into very tiny fractal digits in order to daintily handle the tiny cups without crushing them. Um, and the mixer, like, uh, 
looks at the teacups and even scurries outside and says, may, may I? And like sort of gestures that they'd like to. I'm watching you. Oh, <laughs> and they, they delicately pick up like a cup that's like a probably bowl sized for them. Right. And they're like twisting it in their hands and like admiring the worksmanship. And they're like, where did you, where did you find this? This is, this is magnificent. They were my grandmother's. Ah, sentimental value. Watch out for Grumblefuss. Grumblefuss trades in sentimental value. I'm very aware. <laughs> very, very, very well. Um, please, please take a seat and let they scurry back inside the tea house. Um, and they start like grabbing, uh, like opening jars and grabbing like some blends of tea and putting it in a pot. And um, as like they do this, they say, uh, "Now, uh, I must, I must let you know that." I'm not sure what will happen when you drink this tea, but do know that whatever happens to you happens from within here. And I sort of pats their chest. This tea Is helps. There some f- sort of liability form she has to sign. <laughs> this tea helps you open your heart, and it helps you give you what you really need. There is no charge here. I do this merely out of the desire to help people find themselves. So if you're willing, and then like she pours like a tea like a cup for everyone and then like sort of does a big cup for red buck help yourselves take your time there's no need to rush savor the tea let it speak to you and it shall help you find yourself Faye sits and kind of wiggles in her chair nervously and leans down and sniffs the tea um it probably smells like something familiar uh, I think it smells like the tea she's given when she's sick and one of her moms are taking care of her. And how does the tea smell to, to Tiger Bee? I think Tiger Bee smells the creek water. Nice. <laughs> the fish piece. I can't about- not do it. And I'm just like... <laughs> By the time the curator of this tea has been like, take your time, um, Tiger Bee was already lapping it up and it was like halfway through the cup. And how does it smell to Malaya? Yeah, I think uh, Malaya takes the tea and uh, kind of similar vein, like uh, stiffens up and just doesn't even smell it and just tries to just drink as fast as it can, probably probably burning my tongue. Uh, But it does actually smell like a crisp ocean breeze and a sense of adventure. Redbach, how does the tea smell to you? Good. <laughs> <laughs> does it smell like a tree? Uh, that would be. Do you drink tea that smells like human? You didn't. You said trees weren't red barks. I'm so <laughs> confused. Uh, it smells like the morning before it's about to rain. Mm. Uh, and red bark gulps it down and does so a little sloppily so that it trickles down his mossy beard on either side of his mouth. You've had a mossy beard this whole time? (laughs) I have an ill-defined appearance. (laughs) (laughs) The mixer says, even though you've uh, just consumed this tea, says, uh, this may change your physicality. It may change something inside your mind. It may change. I'm not quite sure what it will change, but it will change for you. I feel like this should have been mentioned before we consume the tea. <laughs> and I would like to know from each of you, like, what part of you changes or how do you change when you drink this tea? 
Oh, um, I'm going to follow up on the goose. Yes, yes, please. I forgot about our dear goose. So so after the, the tea lady gives this lovely speech and everyone is kind of experiencing their tea outside of the tea house, you hear, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, and you just and you you hear the slap 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 of feet running into the tea house and you just see a little white tail like a white flash dive under the table i think the victor like sort of looks under there and like sees like the like goose bits and it's like oh we have a cup for you of course and like a <laughs> we'll pour you a cup all right do i get to keep the cup you no you <laughs> 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 Pecks at your feet, <laughs> unties your your moss. <laughs> Time together. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you may take it as a gift. It would be my honor. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I don't say that to anyone else, but you. Oh, I feel honored. <laughs> yeah. So, like, take a moment and, and think uh, what we like when you drink this tea. How how you might change. The effects may be temporary. They may be more permanent. But that is for you to decide. I think physically, Tiger Bee will get a literal silver tongue. You start to see it changing from like a, as they're lapping up the tea. You can start seeing the tip become sparkly and silver and changing from the pink, like seeping away. And then uh, as that is changing, Tiger Bee feels maybe a, a sense of calmness and feels like their words matter a little bit more. Nice. It's temporary, yeah. It can be, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like the idea that this would be temporary. So uh, Malaya drinks the tea, and uh, she's young, um, you know, a young girl. But uh, once she drinks the tea, she quickly uh, ages dramatically and gets to about maybe 55, 60 like it looks like that, so you get to see her going from adolescence to adult to an older woman, and then uh, the effect the effect goes away, and she's back to the form that she was in. Beautiful. I thought we were about to have like an Indiana Jones situation there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Redbark drinks the tea, his unruly mossy beard sort of loops back together into itself and sort of braids itself uh, and his stringy matted hair does the same his pitted craggy bark smooths out a bit and becomes more uniform and less chipped and his fingers become less fractal and splintered and more defined and he takes on a bit of a more gentlemanly appearance he is still a tree but he has more of a like he's not stooped quite as much as he was uh he's standing up a bit straighter like he's got a bit more of a spine to him not a tree excellent you aren't you so handsome red bark not a tree never been a tree (laughs) (laughs) the goose doesn't notice a difference immediately i think the goo you you just hear the horrible slapping sound of a beak hitting like bone china just, <laughs> just a, 
and they just they just gobble down this tea and like do a little shake under the table and some feathers fall off. Maybe a little bit more than usual, but it's not out of the ordinary for feathers to kind of molt every now and then, but just a little bit more than usual. I, I think what we're facing is a slower change as the goose chooses its behavior. Does the does the goose's head like come up from under the table wearing the teacup on it, like obscuring its face? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's flipped the teacup onto its head and is just kind of peeks up around and with the long neck you just kind of see the head and it's just like (laughs) (laughs) and i think the mixer like catches a stray feather that's like sort of flown up and like cups it in their hands and says like this is a very odd request but as i gifted you that cup may i keep this feather yeah i guess i'm not using it anymore thank you you're welcome and another feather drops off (laughs) I'm fascinated by these moments where people are caught in change and they're rare and precious. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And what happens to Faye? How does Faye change? I will note there are a couple of like manners if you would like to break them. We do have um, must never try on other genders, must not never take up too much space. Uh, So those are are two things that may happen. You also don't have to break a manner. This could be just a, a moment. I think it's a moment. I, you know, I think Faye get, actually gets a little disappointed because there isn't some physical or magnificently obvious change in her. I think there's a moment of calm because she's drinking a tea that's familiar to her, but she hasn't found what was meaningful in drinking the tea, if you guys agree with that. Yeah. I love that mystery. <laughs> this is great the mixer like gathers up more of like this concoction that uh, they brewed and s- deposits it in a little baggie each and like sort of presses it into each of your palms and your wing as <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the goose and says like um take this it i do not have extensive uh, amounts of this tea but keep it and use it when you need it and as i said you're more than welcome to take some time here and soak in this quiet. And when you're ready, you may leave. Faye quietly takes the tea packet and puts it in a, a pocket on her skirt. Because skirts should have pockets. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was the transformation. <laughs> Signed. Feminist. <laughs> no, I mean, the transformation was just that her dress now has pockets. Oh, no. No, that's not good enough. I think the, just the power of feminism puts put pockets in her skirt. And then the mixer asks, uh, like, if I if I may inquire, where are you headed to after you've finished your tea? I guess we're going to go see the king and try to straighten this whole thing out. Oh, the king. I can see why you were led in this direction. The king protects himself and lies. There is a heavy fog that rests around the cave that he resides in. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of confidence in yourself to make it the whole way there. But I think you will do well. Which way should we go? Ah, I think you know. Oh. <laughs> Tiger Bee is nodding enthusiastically. Yeah, Elias stands up. We could do this. 
in fact, I feel like she when she sit when they say that, um, they look mm. at uh, at Malaya uh-huh. because you 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 know how to run wild. <laughs> I do know how to run wild. <laughs> um, so yeah, I stand up and I say, "That's right, we need to go to the cave." And uh, please feel free to roll three d six if you feel a belief is coming into play here. Um, we have uh, like I mustn't fear near new experiences. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, 10 on the dice. A, a Six ten, and a four. A 10 on the dice. Um, how do your senses lead you straight to them or straight to like the the outskirts of the Crowing King's lair? Malaya's been waiting for this for years. Finally, like, stands up and a, a light twinkles in uh, her eye. And she turns uh, about a yeah quarter of the way and just looks off even like though we're still in the tent yeah um looks at the tent flap and just turns quickly to Faye and says we need to go that way all right i trust you we could do it let's go let's go pause it <laughs> <laughs> redbeard's hand just like covers everything yeah I think this is a good moment to interject that um, when we broke the I must never put others in place, mm-hmm. I added the belief that I recognize I have emotions that are valuable and I won't let others tell me how I'm feeling. Aww. Nice. That's perfect. So, heck you, King. I got plans for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect because... Slight foreshadowing, just to make sure my thoughts about Faye are the same as yours. But I think the change is her ability to explicitly speak her mind to the king when she mm. gets there. Mm-hmm. Fuck yes, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, so Malaya like leads everyone straight to like the outskirts of the Crowing King's uh, lair, right? But you are unable to get the whole way because as you get closer you do notice this fog start to like seep around your ankles and it's it's kind of a lavender gray like but in a kind of in a sad way and you can kind of feel it's like malaise like weigh on you as you vent start to venture through it and you can feel the trees around you getting a lot taller um blocking out the sky it's difficult to make a way through the Further you get into it, you start to hear a susurrus, like a, a whisper, almost like a breeze, like rustling leaves. And then as you step further through, the susurrus starts to sound like words. And you can like hear them plucking it. You can feel them plucking at your ears and like sort of um, working their way in, into your mind. And I would like to know from each of you... Um, I have a question that I wrote down specifically for this, so I will just grab it. I have the strange sensation I left my oven on. (laughs) (laughs) The question that is put to you is, I would like to know from Redbark what shame from home it knows about you. I would like to know from Malaya, um, what what were you running from again? Nightmares? I would like to know, like, how that nightmare manifests in front of you or speaks to you. I would like to know from Tiger B, what of your deepest fears does the breeze whisper into your ears? 
I would like to know from Goose, which of your most shameful secrets sticks in your mind? Goose got a lot of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I would likewise like to know from Faye, how does the breeze make you feel like a failure? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can always X-card that question if you would like no, another question. I, I have a, an idea for it mm-hmm. if you guys don't have anything. Go for it. For Faye, I think it's the voices of her mothers, all three of them at different points when they were disappointed in her actions. Mm. And she she tried to do something whimsical and it backfired and caused more of a problem than anything good. And she it, it hurt the most because she wanted that magic and she couldn't have that magic. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also answer the goose's question if you want. If, yeah, if you yeah, yeah. The goose around. works. I think also, like, actually, I think a more interesting question for Tiger Bee is, like, um, it, what awkward moment from when you last met a royal does it whisper in your ears? Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, goose. Looking for, the like, a, an embarrassing moment uh, slash regret. I think the goose is a goose... And not a child because um, they were part of a family. Uh, they were the eldest. And all of the nice things were being given to the youngest. And they were jealous. And so they would take things from the youngest, from their sibling, and hide it. And they took something very important to that sibling and hid it and then promptly lost it. And it's their deepest regret, but they've decided to stick to their story. And because of that emotional dissonance and actually feeling bad about it, they turned into the goose. Okay. After I'm done being punched (laughs) in the gut. After I'm done being punched in the gut. uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, So Malaya is walking and uh, with her bravado that she's had so far, and uh, pops a couple of blueberries into her mouth because she eats all the sweets she wants now. And um, as she's walking, she starts to hear this whisper. And to her, luckily to no one else, um, everything becomes extremely dark. Can't see anymore. And uh, there's a, a, a presence behind her. And her pace increases as she starts to walk faster. And she knows that if she turns around, the beast is going to get her. I have a question for you. Please. In the real world, what does that beast represent for her? Because nightmares usually manifest from a source of stress. So what's the thing in her life that has created the beast in her nightmares? I think it's uh, expectations. Um, expectations from family and school. Uh, she's, you know, she was young when she came to the underground, uh, but was a uh, gifted child, and had these uh, unreasonable expectations on her. And uh, again, if she turns, she knows she would have to face it. Thanks, Ken. As an Asian <laughs> child, I can't attest to that at all. Pow! 
Uh, with that, as Bar- uh, no, as Tiger B is plodding along, um, that calmness from the tea is mixing with with this unease and the whispering in the the winds, and they don't think about this moment a lot, and the calmness is allowed the silence to seep into this memory of being back at the palace because Tiger Bee was the performance beast of the court and often was demanded and the whip was cracked to jump on the ball and roll it around and stand on it. And having to remember that is interesting. So Tiger Bee thinks about the the moment that they were having so much fun with the yarn not too long ago. And it's embarrassing to think about, but at the same time, it's it's fine. I feel like I reclaimed the ball and my enjoyment of the ball. And it's a weird mixture of calm yet embarrassed, but still joyful. Uh, <clears throat> Red Bark has a tea set because he's very fond of small and delicate things. Uh, most others like him are not predisposed towards handling such things. Uh, they are made to move earth and break stone and build great things rather than playing with fragile, precious, tiny keepsakes. But Redbark feels self-conscious about his physical power and he keeps his tea set to remind himself that he is capable of delicacy. And the shame that comes to him is the time when when he was very young and he accidentally broke a piece of that set and it has been missing ever since because he buried it in his shame. I have a question for you. It would help us break another one of the expectations of gender. Do you think that delicacy is something that pertained to a different gender of red bark or a different type of red bark possibly so like these whispers like linger and like weigh down upon you um <clears throat> and i think for fur Faye, who hasn't played Faye for some time yeah let's jace <laughs> jace, jace yeah. um so these whispers like remind you of the time when you really <clears throat> let like let your parents down um and the whispers come at you from different directions. Like you can get a sense for like which voice is like which mother. Um, and uh, which one do I want to? Yeah, and like the fog starts to like sort of press down upon you, and like um, it starts to feel not just like a mist, but like a like a real like weight of expectation and obligation. And uh, one of your mothers says, this is why we can never trust you with anything. You never take anything seriously. Your head is always in the clouds. 
you're always uh, obsessed with um, magic and staring up at the sky when your eyes should be on the ground in front of you, thinking about practical matters, making sure the business operates. How can we trust you with anything? Um, <clears throat> I think Faye has her hands up to like press against what is almost becoming like a physical blanket laying down on her. And I think as it's pressing down on her, she like curls her hands and like physically grabs it and wraps it around herself. And it turns into that trying to find a not harsh word for it, but I feel like (laughs) ratty blanket that she sewed (laughs) because I feel like that blanket was almost an apology after an outburst that her mother had. Uh, and the, so the I'm sorry blanket. Yes. <laughs> and she wraps herself in that to remind her that the outburst was not like all her mother, her business mother was. Mm, that's rad. So I have a couple, I have a question for you. Are you not minding a manner or are you standing strong in your convictions? Because we have the manners that may come into play are respecting other people's opinions or uh, never taking up space. And then we have a lot of beliefs you could rely, like rely upon. So, what do you feel like you're doing in this instance? Yeah, I bet the argument was that was that Faye wasn't receiving the recognition she she wanted more recognition for her accomplishments mm-hmm. and tried to take up more space than she was allowed. Yeah, I think that's it. I love that. Excellent. So, please go ahead and, and roll two d six. Nine. On a nine. On a nine, how do you overcome the challenge? But how do you falter or go too far in the process? I think, so Faye is compensating for, like, being confronted with this shame by, like, wrapping herself up in it, like a blanket. Um, Because that shame is also, like, it's a two-sided coin on the one hand, like, her mom's expectations and everything but on the other hand the like apology and warmth and contriteness of when she realized that she had gone too far and berating Faye and she's unable to distinguish between the two and so she has tried to like use this blanket to shield herself from that shame but instead she has just like completely tied herself up in it and so now it's all she can think about I like it. I like to think um, when you like pull it away, you almost like physically tear the fog, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, and it creates like ragged edges, like you would tear a piece of paper. Is like you make space for yourself in yeah. this fog, and there's like a real jagged edge between like clear space and then like the thick fog that's been like weighing down upon you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like settled on top of her like a mound. Yeah. Hey heroes, it's James, your game master. Welcome to the canned mid-roll that I recorded so that I could go on my trips. With the holidays coming up, it's time to start looking for presents to get your friends. And if there's someone in your life who loves RPGs and actual play, like shows on the One Shot Network, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, or any of the other hundreds of amazing shows out there, consider getting them a copy of the Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide. In my new book, I tried to break down the process of running the kind of narrative games you hear on podcasts and watch on streams. 
It was written for both players and GMs, so it's a perfect fit for anyone who enjoys a story-driven game. You can find an online or brick-and-mortar retailer by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Gameplay. Or, if you already have a copy, you can leave an Amazon review by going to bit.ly slash Ultimate Gameplay. I am extremely jazzed about the prospect of one of my books being a holiday gift, so please share the love with your friends. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Michael Cunningham. Thank you. Zach Hake. Thank you very much. Slacker Initiative. Thank you. Rich Howard. Thanks so much, Rich. Andrew Perkins. Thank you. Timothy J. Meyer. Thank you very much. Paige Steele. Thank you so much, Paige. Nathan Bartley. Thank you very much. Angie Gorospi. Thank you. Sean Miguel Joshua de la Pena Flynn. Thank you so much. Taylor and Seth Weaver Rosamilia. Thank you so much. Will Sherwood. Thank you. Keely Babcock. Thank you very much. Kevin LaBeouf. Thank you. Andrew Moores. Thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We would not be able to make these shows without you. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Ken, would you like to play Faye for a little bit in this scene? I would love to play Faye. Excellent. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my thought for uh, the mannerism of must never take up too much space, um, I think the new rule is I deserve to have, or everyone should have their own space, but they must also respect each other's space. I like it. It's very good. And I think, like, um, for a moment, there's, like, this clear, uh, like, shape that Faye's, like, ripped out of, like, this fog. But then we sort of see tendrils, like, um, of these elements, like, uh, flowing, like, back in and occupying the space again as, like, fresh whispers flutter about the air and, like, the susurrus, like, begins to grow. Um, what do you do? I think uh, at this point, especially uh, understanding my new... Um or as I'm getting my new thing there, stand strong, stand strong and hold my, hold my position and hold my space and through, you know, through posture and force of will and uh, just don't let that fog encroach back into the space I've made for myself. That's really good. <laughs> so when you uh, stand strong in your convictions, you get a dice for being a fantastic young person. Um, and then you get a dice for every belief that is relevant to this role. So, like, if you're doing new experiences, if you're creating space for yourself, all of them that apply, you get a dice for them. Okay. Uh, so, I think we're triggering, if I'm brave, I can find beauty in anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's pretty brave. I mustn't fear new experiences. That's totally a dice. I recognize that I have emotions that are valuable, and I won't let others tell me how I'm feeling. I think that applies to, like, your parents, like... I feel like that was part of the argument, right? Great. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. And everyone deserves to have their own space, but yeah. you must also respect everyone else's space. It's, it's all four, I think. Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. and that's an extra. And you also get one for being a, a fantastic young person. So that's five oh. dice. Yes. Wow. Coolest kid ever. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. That's, be, that's be a 12. 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. So on a 12, uh, how win. do you, how do you, yeah, how do you overcome the challenge? You get to narrate like how you overcome this, these, this like fog of lies. Yeah, the fog of lies is encroaching, and not, and I think at that point, not only do I notice that it's encroaching on me, it's kind of overwhelmed my friends too. And at that point, I think, yeah, I stand up stronger, uh, stand up or stand up taller, and just kind of give a, a shout, uh, not a screech like a, many children do, but a uh, strong, just you know, from my from my belly. A strong shout, uh, wordless, but full of uh, energy, and um, just kind of beats back the fog. I like it. Like you sort of get the fog, like the the yeah, the, the energy like sort of blows the fog away, right? Fusroda. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So like, yeah, you like yell out, right? And this fog like uh, blows back and like dissipates is like you continue to like i like to think you're like screaming around the area like sort of like a flamethrower might but with like feelings right? <laughs> a flamethrower <laughs> of feelings yes. a flamethrower of feelings and like this fog recedes like you might an anemone right like it sort of like like draws back and then like the trees become clearer as it uh the fog dissipates and the mist clears and then you can kind of see like the road before you, uh, like leading toward the crowing king's lair. And I think like as you, um, oh yeah, please, uh, Jess, would you like to be favorite rad? Um, and as you like as you follow this like path, uh, you can no longer feel those like whispers. It's it clears after a few minutes. It's like you've like, wandered down this road, and like you might think, oh how how silly of me to get like so obsessed with that time that like. I was awkward and or like used by royalty and like, oh, like how silly that I would ever care about like my home life. Like, oh, what was I thinking? Um, and uh, you come uh, to like the edge of the forest and hit like this mountain wall. And uh, you can make out like on this mountain wall a like uh, there's a boulder in front of like what seems to be a entranceway, and you can tell it's an entranceway because there's like gilded gold like feathers around it, right? And uh, there are some like crows like sitting atop uh, some pillars. There, they're just like keeping an eye on things. Um, but other and like uh, I think yeah, like one of them sees you coming and is like ah. It seems we have visitors. How nice. I think Faye, having a big sigh of relief and feeling so silly for all of these doubts, is just going to take it in stride and be polite when greeting these folks and do a little bow, not curtsy, and be like, yes, yes, we would love to come visit. Well, if you, you can only visit if you're strong enough to... Move Into the, the rock? Yes. Well, do you think we can do it? And they sort of, they're like little, like, cruel sized things, right? They're like, ha, 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 and like, laugh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The crowing king only takes the, the strongest of people in his chambers. Uh, Red Bark steps forward, cracks his <laughs> knuckles. Uh, the creaking of great oak bark rustling. 
uh, and he says, um, how big of a hole do I need to make in this wall? <laughs> it sounds like, I feel like this is almost like make room, right? Like it's yeah. not technically cramped quarters, but you're trying to access space that you otherwise couldn't. Do. Oh yes. Do any of these beliefs apply? Everyone deserves to have their own space, but you must also respect everyone else's space. Nice. Roll, please roll 3d6. Get the fuck out of my way. Eight. On an eight, uh, how do you uh, create an opening? But on a seven to nine, how do you embarrass yourself in the process? <laughs> uh, Red Bark cocks a fist back and smashes it into the wall. He rips a big chunk of stone out of it. But as he is dismantling this part of the wall higher up, a piece that one of the crows is on is dislodged and the crow sort of hops to the side and it comes tumbling down and knocks Red Bark on the head and he falls over for a second. Aww. <laughs> I think like, the, yeah, the crows are like, they have like a, like a bit of a, a crow laughter. <laughs> Red Bark picks up the rock that fell on his head and chucks it up at the crows. <laughs> <laughs> they do like, like, let's get out of here. And they can like sort of flutter away. Um, was not my best moment. <laughs> they immediately looks concerned and is like, Red Bark, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. I've been hit harder than that. Uh, that was very strong. I appreciate it. I I was just gonna, you know, something about the power of friendship moves all boulders, <laughs> but that was, that was really good. Uh, I think Red Bark is just a little bit, like, taken aback because he's never been complimented like that. So there is a moment where like his eyes are a little misty, and then he turns back to the to dismantling the wall so that nobody can see it. Oh. But either way, there is an opening like into this cave, right? It's probably like a bit bigger since like it was smashed. It's a bit ragged around the edges, but you can kind of see like some steps that like sort of lead down into this like very dark, 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 dark cave. Does it look dark and frightening, perhaps? Oh yeah. I, I think uh, this would be a good opportunity for the goose to do something good. I, mm-hmm. I think that there's an opening, but because Red Bark is so tall, it's a little higher than everyone can get to. Yes. So the yeah. goose kind of flaps up. I was not thinking about that. The goose flaps up and, and lands on top of the spot. And as they flap up and land, more feathers fall off and their wings become more like arms and hands. Oh, now I'm just imagining a goose with human hands, and it's the worst. <laughs> they, the the neck has reduced in length. It's it's more. It's they've got human eyes, a human shaped head. It's but there's horrifying. still feathers. <laughs> just feathers. It's like everywhere. middle anamorphs transformation. <laughs> uh, and they they reach a hand down. I have a I have a suggestion too. So yes. you you can, as part of your second nature, offer some shape shifting magic to someone, and if they accept, turn <laughs> Faye into a goose. <laughs> Faye would accept being a goose. So if you wanted to help, like, change Redbark in some way to get them through, you could do that. Oh, Redbark is. Are you still too? Do you think you're still too big to get? Oh yeah, he's definitely still too big. He like he like punched a hole that is like. Fay and you know people size but yeah. he's definitely not 
Small so I, I think the goose helps everyone else else up and in and then looks down to give you a hand and is like, oh, gosh, you're, this hole isn't big enough for... Oh, it's fine. You can just go on without me. No, 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 no. That, look, that doesn't make any sense. We're all in this together. Ah. Well, um... I've I've got something that might be able to help you. Oh, do you pluck a feather off and give it to him? Yes. Says, but with your permission, I can, I can change you. Into what, a kleptomaniac? I mean, maybe. I can't claim what my feathers do to other people you know that's that's all up to your resistance to an addictive personality disorder but uh you know we we can try what do you want to be something smaller so you can get in but uh red bark holds a hand out to the goose reluctantly <laughs> i will say um because i know the i know the rules are in front of you uh on a seven plus uh you get to say what form you take and on a seven to nine, you also uh, give something back in trade. And on okay. a six minus, you get stuck in this form. So that's, that's those are the stakes. <laughs> so does Mel have to roll or do yes, I roll? Yes, uh, Mel rolls. I was just letting you know like the consequences before you uh, consent to this. Right, let me look at these <laughs> to see if they get... Uh, if I'm brave, I can find beauty in anything. I think so. I think that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Finding beauty in this massive... Tree boy. So, uh, yeah. so Mel would roll a 3d6 and take the two highest as the one performing the magic upon uh, upon Redbark. Come on, snake eyes. Good right. Hope you fail. Halfway there. <laughs> <It's a six>. Oh! <laughs> Ken, this is your fault. <laughs> so Redbark, uh, like what, what form do you change into and are subsequently stuck in for the time being? Uh, so... <laughs> so, uh, um, so the, the goose hops onto your head and we we wobble a little bit as you take on the weight of like a half human half goose monstrosity and the goose plucks a feather from like behind its ear and sticks it in the top of your trunk and then hops back over to the rock okay and what happens to you red buck uh for a long moment nothing happens and red mark red bark just kind of sits there awkwardly um do you actually have magic or are you just fucking with me well, you gotta believe in the magic, ding dong. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. And then at that point, Red, Red Bark just starts to like shrink a bit, and the moss starts to like sort of fall off of him, like clothes. <laughs> and he kind of just like, and there's just this like pile of like moss and overgrowth and vines that are just bunched up in in like a pile on the ground way down and it kind of like shifts a bit and then i think like a (laughs) (laughs) just just has like heart eyes right now it's amazing (laughs) um i think it's a what is like a really tiny bird? Oh. I think it's a hummingbird. Oh. Or, or a finch. Yeah. I was mm. thinking, I was, I like hummingbird. Okay. <laughs> so, and then like a hummingbird like pokes its head out and like looks around and like sort of like shakes all the rest of the vines and stuff off. Well, this is new. 
<laughs> Boy, that voice coming out of a tiny bird. That's that's weird. I thought I was weird, and then I saw you. <laughs> so Red Bark, like, flits up to the hole, like, just hovering in place, kind of, like, wobbling a bit because he's not used to flying, let alone, you know, VTOL. <laughs> Oh, and he definitely has like, like the feather tucked behind an ear. Oh, just just the a single feather. white feather that that blends in, but it's it's definitely yes. the one white feather. Yes, uh, and then he follows everyone into <laughs> into the hole. Rad. So the you... less popular <laughs> sequel to Into the Woods. <laughs> into the hole. <laughs> so... Into the holes. You enter into like this this hole, right? And uh, you can hear as you venture through it echoic like uh, like crow cackling, and there are drips and drabs of like gold pieces the further you venture in, and um, you see like some strange jaws with like sort of like a unicorn esque like gl- glittery material like uh, sort of tossed to the side, um, and that crowing gets like louder as like you venture up these uh, down these steps like into the depths of this cave. Um, and I, oh yeah. Oh, does it look particularly terrifying at this point? It is terrifying. (laughs) Who's going to be Faye now? Oh, let's, um, are you thinking, are you thinking of a, oh yeah. I'm thinking of triggering a move, yes. Should we have, uh, who would like to be Faye? I can do it. Mel, play Faye, yes. (laughs) Feed Mel the card. <laughs> yes, it is yeah. terrifying. Okay, so I'm imagining like we're there were steps you were saying. Yeah, like steps downwards. They probably get like okay. you know, like deeper and like right. more terrifying as you yeah. get down. And it gets progressively more dark. And I imagine at this point, uh, Malaya is feeling terrified, and uh, probably feeling some similar emotion from Faye. You think? Yeah, Faye definitely has a high amount of anxiety. But all all of the earlier successes, all of the things that Faye has overcome thus far um, have built up her confidence, possibly too much, but (laughs) she forges forward. And I think that she steps forward next to you as we walk forward and takes your hand. Okay. And when you take my hand, um, I think I look up and I kind of briefly, my nightmares were about going into the dark and something behind us, behind me. But I know that if we all go together, we can do it. And I trigger a move? Yeah, please, go for gold. Is this the, is this the first one on the, on the book there? Yeah, yeah. Free, free from what you fear. Yes, um, totally. I think uh, if this is successful, what'll happen is like the girl will take a free roll forward. So like if the girl fails, she'll get to re-roll and add plus one to the roll. Fantastic, okay. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm, we're triggering, if I'm brave, I can find beauty in anywhere. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Okay. Or, please. And I mustn't fear new experiences. Yeah. That one also applies. But, uh, also apply. Okay. Uh, although for, for a companion, it's just 3d6 and you oh, take three. the two highest. Yeah. You can only ever add one belief. Mm. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for checking. Uh, 11. 11. Yeah. So let's look at the move. What does it say? Da, 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 da. It says, yes, roll when you find yourself in a dark or scary situation and tell the girl how it's going to be okay. On a seven plus, the girl may re-roll and add one to the total. So how does how do you find comfort in these words as you venture down into the dark depths? It, it's reaffirming. You know, Faye is very out of her element right now. She, this is the furthest from home she's ever been. And she followed her confidence that up to this point, she wasn't sure if it was real. If, if it was 
really confidence she had or if she was blindly following another adventure that could get her into trouble. And I think this statement gave her the the feeling she needed to know that what she was doing was right and valid and she should keep forging forward. Aww. So yes, you keep forging forward down these like steps and I feel like at some point you have to like clamber down them because they're like getting too big. Um, but it's okay, you can do it because like you're courageous and brave. And uh, you come out into like this big cavern with like stalactites coming down, but they're made of like jewels and like stalactites that come up and they're made of gold. And then like uh, there's a like shelves and bottles strewn everywhere with like more unicorn glitter. Like it's just, it's just like bottles and bottles of bottles of like like pinks and lavenders and teals that are lighting this place. You think for a moment it's lit by lanterns, but it's lit by dreams, right? Um. And amidst, like, all of this, all of this, like, mess, this chaos is, like, this big, like, rotund crow with, like, a golden beak. And it's wearing, like, uh, a regal, like, robe with a crown and, like, it has a scepter and it's, like, sort of tapping on these dreams and, like, chuckling as they, like, sort of, like, shimmy and shiver and, and, like, sort of quiver in fear, right? Um, Faye, what do you do? This is astounding to see uh something you've never seen before and a giant crow in a room i think uh Faye kind of stops in surprise um and looks around and sees uh all of these thoughts and feelings floating through the room and probably a little bit of that mist as well mm-hmm that creates doubt and makes her worry a little bit. And the crowing king, I think, like, uh, yeah, like, goes like, rat, like, turns his head and, like, it echoes about this space, right? And he says, like, who are you? I was not expecting visitors today. What are those crows at the front thinking? Uh, Faye squeezes Malaya's hand. Do you do anything in return? I think a, a return squeeze of encouragement and uh, just kind of, you know, knowing you're supportive, but waiting for you to move. Okay. Connection. Yeah. I think the crowing came in, like, sort of turns a scepter on <laughs> you and sort of, like, angles it at you and sort of, like, thinking about prodding you with it to be like, 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 what are you even? Um, your worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Faye hears the approach of the goose and red bark unexpectedly a <laughs> tiny bird that lands on her shoulder i'm sorry it took me a while to get used to this i was a bit slow oh you uh okay well here we are uh <laughs> you're much smaller than i expected same mm. uh and the goose uh stalks forward and Almost all of the feathers have molted off. The beak has turned into a mouth, and now there is a, a shock of blonde hair um, from a, coming from a young boy's head with feathers sparsely stuck throughout it. And Faye takes heart in seeing these changes in her friends and remembers um, that she's changed too, that she's been through a lot, and squeezes your hand one more time and then lets go and steps forward, smacks the scepter away 
and said, I'm here to take back what you've stolen. I think like the sifter, like, oh yeah, are you setting strong in your convictions when you do this? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's roll that move. <laughs> so you get a dice for being a cool young person and then a dice for each belief that applies. If I'm brave, I can find beauty anywhere. I think all of the um, the emotions and even the fog at this point, everything has a beauty to it, even if it doesn't always belong in, the, in a place. I'm recognizing my feelings, mm-hmm. so I think that one applies. And I'm beating out fear. Mm-hmm. So I think that's four. That's what we've got so far. Excellent. That's making, do you, are you making space for yourself in this? Oh, I mean, argument? smacking the scepter away. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's another dice. Five <laughs> one-shot dice. No. <laughs> it's a 10, right? To the two highest? Yeah, 10. Excellent. So you slap the scepter out of this crow's hand. And I would love, let's look at the move. Um, when you face a challenge by standing strong in your convictions, add the dice like we did. And then on a seven plus, how do you overcome the challenge? Like, how does how do you take down this crow with like your belief in your friends and yourself? Cool. Um, I don't know what right you think you have to take these things away from people. You you've you've taken away valuable memories and emotions and love and and sadness. And you don't. They're not yours. You know, they're they're ours. We we have them, and and even if they're bad, we we learn from them, and they're important. And and who do you think you are to to take them away from people who who made those and created them and and value them? I have a suggestion. Do you start like opening the jaws to let the dreams out? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. She smashes the yeah, jaws, shoving them off the pedestals, and they just yeah, shatter. Yeah, she she walks past a, a small bookcase and just pushes it over and all the jars shatter open and you see these thoughts and dreams like float up into the air and and float around her and some of them escape out of the cave rad there's a shot of like red bark like fluttering and trying to like peck one of them off the pedestal but he's tiny (laughs) and then the goose reaches over and knocks it over for him (laughs) i like to hear what tiger bee does yes what does tiger bee do when the the dreams are all fleeting yeah the dreams are like flying everywhere Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. There's got to be like a butterfly, a butterfly and a dream field of grass, and it's just like I absolutely want to go chasing it. I but I start, I pounce, and then I look back at everyone, and I'm like, oh no, no, no. There's chaos too. Okay, everyone's okay. We're having fun. I'm gonna go. <laughs> so like the crowing king is like. Uh, like defeat right like as these dreams are like swirling around him and i think they sort of like uh stop pecking at him like the whispers picked at you right and he's just like no 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 kind of like cowering right And he's like fine i'll release these dreams like you can have them back i didn't want them anyway they're they're worthless Ah. they're not worthless they're important to the people who made them and you have to respect that i love it (laughs) i think we close down on like these dreams that like sort of they fly out of this cave to find their owners right and like the sky is lit with like this aurora borealis of like thoughts and ideas and like hope and love and like feeling right and the underground is like lit up for like a joyous evening of like like these things coming home um 
and uh i i think like that's where we like sort of like pan out of like our movie <laughs> and i would love to know that we jump into epilogues of course like our young girl like must come home i think like perhaps um she opens like a like one of the jars right like has a picture of like the bonfire like oh, she can look okay. into it right and sees like the fire and if she opens it like oh it can sort of like smell through like the cork like the marshmallows and like ash of the fire and like you can if you like put it to your ear you can hear the crackle and like the laughter and you know that like although this was fun like this is where you ought to be and i think like um we see Faye like go to open the jar and like look around at her friends and there's that realization that you can't take them with you even though like you've developed so much along the way and i would love to know from each of the companions like what are your parting words to Faye before she goes home me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um tiger b is 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 acknowledging that we have to say goodbye and so i've been circling you nudging you which is rougher because tigers are bigger than you think yeah. uh, and they say to Faye, believe in the me that believes in you and i'm never very far <clears throat> sorry I think at this point, uh, you know, as you said, it's kind of like fading away and panning out. Uh, I think we see uh, Faye looking back at the friends and uh, there's a darkness behind Malaya. Uh, Malaya looks up, gives uh, Faye a wink, and then turns and faces the darkness. Uh, so Red Bark is perched on Goose's shoulder uh, and he flutters his wings as he looks at Faye, and he taps his beak against his side as though he's indicating something to her, and she reaches a hand into the pockets that her dress, we've established her dress has pockets, and she reaches a hand inside one of her pockets and pulls out a teacup. And on the inside rim of the teacup is written uh is it a teacup the same size as the bird or like smaller is it small enough for the bird it's person sized oh. <laughs> that's a strong hummingbird <laughs> <laughs> oh it has um oh it has all of the uh beliefs that she learned written on the inside rim so that he wouldn't forget yep i like that and the the goose, what was, what did I name him again? Uh, Asteria uh, sneaks up and around and says, <clears throat> uh, let me help you with that. And just kind of swipes the jar and says, good luck. And smashes it on the ground and it just poofs up into the air and it becomes uh, a cloud that circles Faye. So it's like cloud circles Faye and like it's a haze of like smoke and you can taste sweetness in her like that cloying marshmallow sweetness that sticks to the roof of your mouth and you can feel like the heat of the fire and like can hear the crackle and then like she opens her eyes and then she feels like a hand on her knee and her mother looks at her and says like are you are you feeling okay oh was I asleep I think you may have nodded off for 
for a minute, but it's okay. We we can if you're sleepy, I, we can take you to bed. No. No, I'm good. Let's make some marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's one more part to this if you will indulge. Yes. Um uh the next part is each of you will give like a vignette or a montage of how one of the beliefs has impacted Faye's life. It can be like in the immediate, it can be like years from now, decades, but just how something she's learned from the underground like sticks with her for the rest of her life. Um I will talk about making space, maybe. Uh she she learned a lot about how to respectfully make space for herself without hurting other people. And I, th- I think that as an artist, she used that to create uh, a good community where she lives of artists and making space for them and making space for every type of person that wants to create art. That's lovely. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Faye, a little bit older in this one where she is carrying a picnic basket up a hill and at the top of this hill is a big gnarled tree that she sits down at the foot of and unpacks a picnic basket Uh, and out of the picnic basket she pulls a uh, teapot and a teacup and she leans against the tree and sips her tea as this it's this old like gnarled thing that's it it's and it's in the middle of like deep fall so all the leaves have fallen off and it's just this you know like like branches splitting into the sky uh but she feels comforted sitting at the base of it is it the same tree that she went into in the first place yes (laughs) i like it it's covered in moss and like kudzu and vines but it's almost like a like a pillow to her I think we see uh, Faye grown up and uh, she's getting ready to apply for jobs and there happens to be a CEO position at a uh, respected company like a Fortune 500 and uh, we see her uh, putting in the application and uh, even though she, she pretty much knows like who else is applying and it's a bunch of men. But she mustn't fear new experiences, so she puts that shit in and then gets the job later. Nice. <laughs> I love how just like completely ill-defined the times frame of this game is. Because this whole time I've been imagining like Victorian London is like, oh, the CEO of Wonder Corp or whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Time is a construct. <laughs> Faye would go on to become a, <laughs> a garment factory owner. We gotta see... Faye in the nearer future of the awkward teen years. And if anything, the whimsy of having magic be real, even if she might not get to experience it in her home, she holds on to that memory. And as a teenager, you are going to have crushes. You see her looking at all the kids around and just not sure, but there are feelings and there are emotions and it's always going to be grounding to think about that tree and that moment and that 
even if there's a boy tugging on her damn braid and telling her that she's feeling like she's being too loud, she's going to stand up and say, no, I am exactly as loud as I need to be. And my feelings are just as valid as yours. Aww. Yes. Then the last thing we do is like your companions also like had adventures and like developed <laughs> along the way, right? So like, what do we see of them back home after Faye departs? Uh, you see the goose returning to his family. Oh, <laughs> he he comes back and he gives his sibling a new toy to to, to like make up for the one that he stole and lost. It's very sweet. Motherfucking honk. <laughs> <laughs> the goose that stole my heart. <laughs> you see Tiger B um, is always going to have a weekly trollop through the creek. Fish piss or not. <laughs> um, Fish piss be damned. <laughs> but also, I think Tiger B would like to to follow, to go back to the Bazaar Bazaar and go back to the, the tea house, the mixer, and try and help and offer, uh, like, maybe the cafe has a cat now. <laughs> the underground space cat cafe. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Tiger B becomes a bodega cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We see uh, snapshots of Malaya, and it's like a kind of a montage of different snapshots that uh, form all over the screen. And it's just, you know, them, uh, it's her, it's, you know, like capturing a treasure, saving saving, so, saving a village from bad guys, and just doing all these heroic things. And it just flashes through the screen, all these different heroic things that Malaya is doing. Uh, we... As the sun is setting in underground, we see a hummingbird zipping across the sky just above the trees. Uh, and, like, just v very obviously just thrilled with the sensation of flight. And then it suddenly inverts and just dives down below the trees. And there's, like, a little as it just disappears beneath the canopy. And then the trees start to back and forth as something huge is moving between them. And we see Red Bark step out of the trees into a clearing and just sort of like stretch a bit. And there's still a feather just like sticking off of his head. I love that. Sorry. Uh, that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, like, we sort of, like, pan out from that, like, uh, from the tree, like, emerging, and we see, like, the village, and people are, like, awake, and there's, like, a dream mist that's sort of, like, uh, in the air around everyone as they're having feelings and love, and there's, like, music, and the circus is there playing and, like, entertaining everyone, and we see, like, even Grumblefuss is there and like, the stands enjoying the circus, um... And, like, the mixers are sipping tea, and then we sort of, like, pull back from, like, the underground, and the credits roll. Yay! That was go underground. That was really good. I'm really happy. <laughs> well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with the last part of Girl Underground. In the meantime, be sure to check out one of the other amazing shows on the One Shot Network. Like Design Doc, 
join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. DesignDoc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And while I'm gone, I want to make sure that everyone is calling their representatives about issues that are important to them. Direct calls to their offices is one way representatives evaluate which issues are important to the public and where they should stand on those issues. Taking a few minutes out of your day to advocate for an issue you care about can have a real effect on how your representatives act in Congress. Now, when I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls. Org. There, you can find information about different issues affecting the country, along with contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure you get your point across clearly. Calling is quick, and it can make a big difference. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at paracosmpress.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.